0: Well, welcome to the More to the Story podcast. I am so glad you have all come along. We have a great show in store for you today. Uh, Somebody that I've heard from from a while, I'm so glad that I have a chance to have a conversation with her about her new book. But before I do that, I want you to know that this podcast is brought to you by Wesley Biblical Seminary, where we are developing trusted leaders for faithful churches. And right now in the season of kind of like the Pan Wesley movement, we know that there are a host of churches out there that are faithful to the gospel and that are working through a difficult time and we exist as a seminary to train leaders not just pastors but any leaders in that church to be ready to serve those churches and just quickly announce that we are approved by the global methodist church for both of our, our seminary as a whole is approved and our course of study so if you'd like to find out more about us you can go to WBS. to find out more about Wesley Biblical Seminary. Also, this podcast is brought to you by WPO Development. They're a group of people who come together to help churches, schools, institutions, social service agencies to develop strategic plans and capital campaigns. And they've helped more than 250 organizations have successful capital campaigns. And their CEO, Keith Waters, is a friend of mine. And I've worked with him and I recommend him to you. So you can find out more about them in my show notes or at WPO Development. Finally, I, I have a new resource that's available. I'm so excited about it. It is a short study for small groups Based on the book of Jude. It's six small group video sessions with discussion guides that walk through those short 25 verses at that little book at the end of the Bible that a lot of people forget about. But it has been incredibly powerful for me to look at this book and to understand the depths of it and how it speaks to this cultural moment, particularly with the sexual revolution and the way that it's experience, being experienced at this time and its call to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. So if you go to my website, the 3rdcom you can find out more about that resource. And I'd love for you to access that. Okay. I am glad to bring into the podcast, Carolyn Moore, who is the pastor at Mosaic Church in Evans, Georgia, to talk about her new book, When Women Lead. Carolyn, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. It's a joy to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you.
0: Well I remember the first time I heard of you and we missed each other at Asbury Seminary but I was I was um with JD Walt who's uh, the leader of the, of Seedbed and he he said something really interesting now maybe you've heard him say this and maybe you've asked him to not say it but he he at the time this was probably 15 years ago I don't know 10 years ago somewhere in there he said um well the baptists have Beth Moore but we have Carolyn Moore yeah. and uh, and I thought oh man I got to find out who this is so uh, that was yeah. my introduction to you so so uh, obviously then we I've seen several things that you've done through seedbed um but the new room conference and other places as well but this book is a, is a, a little bit of a turn because it's talking about something that's very personal to you but also trying to be a guide to other women what what led to this book
1: um, well, I've been I've been in ministry for 25 years. For the last 20 years, I've been planting a church, and I guess after 20 years, it's really not a church plant anymore. But that's kind of what I did. I I started it. I, actually, my whole ministry has been that. I, for the first five years of my ministry, I planted a congregation across the street from the church that I was serving in as a as an intentional kind of second. Uh, wing to our campus, and then for the last twenty, I've been here in Evans, Georgia, planting a church and developing it. And um, along the way, it, you know, I I would I would notice that I wanted to do the things that my male colleagues were were doing. My, I have great male colleague friends, and they were always willing to coach me and help me. And many of them are church planters, and. And um, and they would they would give me ideas and I would go home and I would do them. And I would think to myself, now, I'm not the brightest bulb in the leadership box, but (laughs) you know, I'm not I'm not that much different than these guys. And why is it that I can do the same things they do? And it gets different results. I think that some of it is, you know, we're all called to different things. We're wired in different ways. Our leadership gifts are different, but some of it felt to me like it was gender related Mm. because I am a a female in ministry in the south that that could be a limiting factor but every time I would say that out loud people would say no you're fine you're great we love you which is a very nice and affirming thing to say but that really wasn't my point I, I was really looking for people to help me understand what our limits are or or maybe not even what our limits what our challenges are so I if we know, if we can sure. name those challenges then we can learn how to lead past them and so um over the years as i've continued to grow as a pastor and as i've continued to kind of develop this church that i've um, been part of this community that I've been part of for all these years, I, I realized, yeah, some of it is my particular call. I, I think I'm called more to missional community than to big box rapid growth church plants. But some of it is directly related to my place as a female pastor. Mm. And I've, and I, you know, I'm far enough along in my ministry now that I can say that without feeling, I'm, I don't say that as a victim. I don't say that defensively. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not angry about it. It just is. And so I I, I sort of felt like, what if I, what if I could study that really? What is the difference between planning a church as a woman and planning a church as a man? What, what if we just looked objectively at the differences so we could figure out how to lead past those challenges that women face so they can be successful. And as somewhere along the way, Asbury Seminary started a church planning cohort as a Doctor of Ministry program, and I asked if I could just study that as yeah. as a as a doctoral project, and they allowed me to do that. And so the book actually comes out of my own first my own experience, and then the study in my in my doctoral program. And um, after I finished my dissertation, I realized. That the stuff I found, I didn't want it to be sitting on a library shelf being read by other doctoral students. (laughs) I really wanted it to be out there and and, and in a and and packaged in a way that really reached beyond church planters, that even reaches beyond um, lead pastors and ministry settings, but but reaches any female who is who who senses herself called. To to leadership in any way, um, whether it's whether it's nonprofit leadership or our ministry leadership, and you're leading a women's ministry, or children's ministry, or youth ministry, or 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 even you just because many of the people I um, I interviewed were outside the ministry, yeah. so you could just be in leadership in general, and I think the book would resonate with you. It's written from a Christian perspective, but it's written to address female leadership in general. And that's how it happened.
0: Yeah, interesting. And it's it's what I find so helpful is like there is a necessary step that needs to be taken of understanding the theological context, the cultural context to be understanding right. like how interpreting scripture. Because obviously, there's distinct views within the church about right. uh, uh, women in ministry, and so right. most of the books that are there and most of the study is just like okay can they be in ministry? Yes or no? And like, like that's the big question. And so we get that question answered, but we don't have much on this second step, okay. So those of us who affirm that women can be in ministry in Wesley Biblical Seminary, most of, I think almost all of the denominations that we serve at Wesley Biblical Seminary in in our in this tradition, and that which will now of course include the mm-hmm. Global Methodist Church, mm-hmm. um, uh, affirm women in, in ministry. So we're talking Salvation Army, Nazarene Association of Independent Methodists, uh, congregation, All of the, all of these groups um, mm-hmm. affirm this, but there hasn't been much work to say how do you do it? And there right. are certain challenges and differences. And, and, th- th- and I, I feel like I could get shot for just saying that, right? <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> men and women are different. But like, <laughs> this is the key, key thing that you're, you're working through. So you, the first part of this book is just talking about barriers, and then kind of how to work through those barriers. Could, could you pick a few of those that you could talk to us about? Like what those barriers are?
1: Yeah, man, everything you just said, thank you. Thank you for saying it just the way you said it, because it, it is really true. There um we 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 ask the question, can women lead, but not how do women lead? Yes. And the 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 rest of the secular world, the the educational world, the psychological world, they've all asked that question and they've studied it significantly. I mean, like there's just tons of studies in the in the rest of the world about what happens when women lead. Yeah. But we in the church thought the question was answered when we answered it theologically. Um, and, and it's not, it's not the whole, it's, you haven't, you haven't done all the work yet. So <laughs> thank you for everything you just said. And, and it's absolutely fair to ask the question, what happens when women lead and how is it different than when, when, when men lead? What we're saying is, we're not saying that men don't have leadership challenges. Of course they do. And there are challenges specific to men in general, not just men in specific. Yeah. But just like there are challenges that are specific to, I mean, that are that are 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 um, for men in general, there are challenges for women in general as well. Right. And, right. and lots of studies back this up. So let me talk about two or three that are just some of my favorites. there's I', I, I identified six total, but three that are among my favorites are the, once you get past the theological barrier and it is a barrier because 50% of the Christian world does not believe that women or does not espouse women as, as in leadership and, uh, in church ministry roles. So unless you're leading women or children, there's not a place for you in, uh, as a lead pastor or as a church planter or in, in roles that, uh, call, put you in place of talk of, of teaching men and women together. So so 50 percent of the christian world does there is a barrier there and in a way that is a barrier for women just because it means that as a church planter i'm fishing from half the pond right even if you even if you um aren't really sure about what you think about women in ministry when you come to my church if you were raised southern baptist or raised catholic or raised in a more conservative reform tradition there's something that's going to catch in you. You're just not yeah. sure if this ought to be or not. Right. And that's, that is that is kind of a typical thing that happens is people will come to my church. They will love the, the freedom of worship. They will love the missional um, kind of emphasis that we place on ministry. They're, they love all of that. But three or four weeks in, they'll, they'll ask me get, on the way out the door, can I get an appointment with you? you know it's coming (laughs) it's like they just want to know can you tell me why it's okay for me to be here again because i'm not sure i i don't know what i believe you know they just haven't really thought it through for themselves so so the theological barrier is real but then beyond that um the the is the is the perception barrier before i get to the perception barrier let me just say this about um why the perception barrier and the theological barrier are connected yeah. Here's what we believe in, in kind of the Arminian tradition, or at least as far as, as Wesleyans are concerned. We believe that Genesis 1 and 2 made men and women partners. We are partners in the work of stewarding creation. Genesis 3, at the fall, turned that partnership into a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. It says in, the, in Genesis chapter 3 that men and women were sort of pitted against each other that um, men would, would find uh, toil or they would labor at their work. And yeah. women would, um, would find themselves at, 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 at odds somehow with men, with their husbands. And so Genesis 1 and 2 made us a partnership. Genesis 3 made us a hierarchy. Okay. And so the whole world lives in this fallen state. Doesn't matter whether you call yourself Christian or a follower of Jesus or, or if you're Buddhist or Hindu or, 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 or Islam or, or Muslim or if you are or if you are an atheist, every one of us lives under the curse of the fall. So every one of us has in our brain this idea that somehow, somehow somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose in any relationship situation. It's why we contend with each other um, on a multitude of issues, but the fundamental one is between men and women. And so there is a perception issue at work here. When I walk into a room that where the, where the woman is at the, at the head of the table or on the stage and she's the one in charge, something inside my fallen being is gonna ask, hmm, should this be? We don't ask that same question if a man is at the head of the table or on the stage. We just don't we don't inherently just or or, or subconsciously ask, hmm, should he be in charge or not? We'll give him a chance to prove whether he's uh, a qualified leader or not. But before the woman ever opens her mouth or does anything leadership quality, we ask ourselves, hmm, should she be in leadership? And that, friends, is an effect of the fall. So. Um, So we're all living under this fallen curse and we're all kind of in this place where our perception has been distorted. And so, um, and and because of that, whenever a woman walks into a room, she's left wondering, will I be accepted here? Mm. So there's an external perception. You, Andy, are you you really sure that I should be leading your church? And then that kind of causes me then to ask, should I really be leading this church or or, are these people going to give me authority? Um, so we kind of, we end up apologizing our way into rooms and that eats away at our sense of authority. And so there's, it's almost like a double bind because, um, because others may not automatically or, um, assume my leadership authority. I then can, can internally question my leadership authority. Yeah. And so the perception barrier is very real and it requires a lot of education. And, um, you know, for, for years, what I would do is I would just put my head down and do my work and let my work prove itself. But I thought over time that would overcome all of the perception barrier, Uh, but but the fact is we all live in a fallen world. (laughs) So that's
0: connected to, to like an experience. Uh, like, like some people, it, it, like they don't know. I don't know when I'm doing that. When I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm allowing that perception barrier to minimize the role that women can lead can have in leading me. Like I, right. I don't. I, in, in part, I'm, I'm saying this is a way so you can correct me or help me. Um, mm-hmm. a, a part of that comes for in the life of the church from experience uh, that maybe right. the, the the most senior position. The the top of the hierarchy hasn't often been a, a female. Now, in, in my tradition, actually that's not true, but but nevertheless, like it, it because you don't have that experience of being led by a woman, maybe that's right. what leads us to that place of having that perception as well. Yes. That, what do you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. It all kind of it we it all feeds on on itself, you know, it's just it becomes almost like this cascading, um um kind of just a cascading series of things that create um that create burnout and create doubt and, and it's the enemy of our souls is that's this is what he's won right <laughs> this, sure, sure. this is what he's he's looking for he's looking for he's just plant trying to plant seeds of doubt did the you know did, did god really say he's been doing that yeah. from from the day of the fall did god really say and that did god really say that that transfers into so many different areas of our lives, including how we understand leadership, what leadership ought to look like, and how we understand gifts and call. Um, and, and so all of that is kind of wound up in there. And, and most of what, how we receive all of this, we receive subconsciously. It's not a conscious choice for many of us. Right. Um, and, and so a, a, the cascading effect it also affects how we, um, how we resource women pastors. Mm, mm-hmm. We don't, um, the, the fact is, there's just not, there, there are almost no examples of women planting churches that become wow. mega churches.
0: Wow. Women, women
1: plant churches, but they don't become mega churches mm. um, because we're fishing from half the pond. Wow. And, and, and yet denominational resources often follow size. And so larger churches or larger church plants tend to get more of the resources and the smaller churches are left to kind of fend for themselves. And so it almost feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy over time. Wow. Look, we, can I we, stop
0: you for a second? Um, yeah, yeah. You, you, you highlight something that's helpful to me is that it might not be so so often we'll say with any areas of distinction, rather that's race, country of origin, mm-hmm. uh, gender, and you know, like we'll we'll say well, and and I'm I'm one who probably leans this way, and I need mm-hmm. to see how that's a blind spot for me is we we push back on merit right or uh, the meritorious nature of society right. and, and you just highlight that too you've said well i'll just put my head down and i'll do great work but you, you don't re- and, and i'm sure you did but nevertheless like there there right. you're already starting it's like you're starting a baseball game in the fifth or sixth inning like like That's you, exactly right. You you don't have the same be, bec- as a church planner particularly now maybe mm-hmm. if there's a large church that brought you in then you can do this like it's just not the same uh, forgive me for this uh, analogy it's just not the same game is that right. It's
1: not. It's not the same game, right? And so interesting that the secular world is more than happy to make this to 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 to, to understand this and to make the statement, and the and the but the the church world has not caught up to that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like we we just haven't done our homework, and so a, a lot of my book, um, obviously, it was a dissertation first, so it was well researched. But I I did a ton more research to write the book because I really wanted to make the point that folks, this is not just a woman who didn't get her way trying to right. tell you all the reasons things didn't you know dis- these are trying to externalize the blame. That's not what this is at all. I actually have a a lovely community that I serve. I am a um I, I'm I'm I've been un- unfairly. Uh, I just loved and cared for in my <laughs> setting, and I'm a happy human being, but Amen. I realize even even if things are going well, there's still things that are working against me every day simply because of my place as a female pastor, and so if I don't understand that, I, and, and really that's a lot of this book is I, I wanted to use the book to talk to women, but I also wanted to use the book to talk to men who serve together with women so that all of us can understand Here's what we're up against. So if we if if we're going to use the whole people of God for the whole work of God, we need to understand what we're up against so that we can all be about kingdom work together. Yes. Um, it's not about making sure women get what they need. It's about making sure the kingdom gets what it's what it needs. As long yes. as we're using only half the population to, to who are who are gifted and called to serve. Yes. Then we're not going to get where we want to go. Yes. Um, and so, so yeah, it's 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 not us, it's not wrong to say that men and women lead differently. It's yeah. not wrong to say that women have challenges in that work and that they need they, women need to understand those challenges, not so we can act like victims, but so we can actually take, so we can, we can take authority over our own call and, and, and use the strategies that w- will work in our favor so we can be everything God has called us to be.
0: Amen. Yeah. Let me jump in here. Cause there's yeah. something interesting. Um, I, I'm studying the founder of the the group, the my of my heritage, the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. William Booth mm-hmm. started early with women in ministry, but he did it for a utilitarian purpose, it meaning a mm-hmm. means to it, like whatever it takes to get to the desired end of getting people saved. And at that point, there was nobody, no other movement was using women in ministry, so he just pulled in hundreds right. of women, and that made him yeah. more effective. Now, the the church growth sort of world, when I was um, serving. In, in ministry, there's all these challenges with the homogeneous principle, like, of well, just go to people where they're like, like, and it's just, that means that we need to have racially segregated churches, right? Because it's just going to be easier yeah. for people to get it. And that's the ultimate goal of getting people saved means that we just have to cave to some of these, these challenges that we experience. And so right. people go where, where people are like them. And, and I feel that to a certain degree, mm-hmm. and the same thing could be argued against. Just from a pragmatic standpoint, women in ministry. Well, if this, mm-hmm. if you're cutting yourself out from 50 percent of the people, then let's not do it. Like, this is not effective. Right. But, right. I'm, I'm not suggesting that, Carolyn. But uh, yeah, it's this utilitarian sort of uh, perspective that says whatever it takes for us to get people saved, let's do it. So, well, if if women being in leadership is going to keep us now, then let's not use yeah. them. That that right. I know that that's not right. But I can see how some people get there.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's the that's the thing that I, I, I really love the way you're what you're talking about right now, because the the issue, it really comes back to theology. It all mm-hmm. comes back to theology. Um, if we who are in the Wesleyan stream, which is all of those denominations that are served, you know, at your seminary and uh, all of all of what we're about, if if we if we are truly Wesleyan in our theology, then we need to understand how women fit into that theology we need a we need a working theology for that and then we we operate from that core those core values we we operate from that theology so yeah. it's not just about getting it done right. it's really it's really about kingdom and yes. and here's the here's the irony is is if we actually stop thinking you know, in the get-or-done mode, um, or thinking very pragmatically about this, and begin to think about kingdom. All right. So we're all working toward the kingdom of God. We all want to see the kingdom of God realized on earth, and we are not going to leave women behind in that pursuit. So right. we're going to we're going to work at the pace of 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 um of our theology. Then in the end, we actually are doing more for the kingdom, not Amen. less for the kingdom. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, the pragmatism might get you might get a, be it to your advantage in the short term, but pragmatism will not be to the kingdom's advantage in the long term.
0: Oh, Carolyn, that is good. It's it's <clears throat> not the kingdom advantage in the long term? I love right. that, and that's right. the same thing I think I'm hearing you saying too about the nature of your church not becoming a big box mega church. Like, right. as Serving as a pastor for 15 years, it just felt so self defeating at times. Like, well, why can't if I can just be like Andy Stanley and Craig Groeschel. I should, too, also be able to have this same. So I'll just I mean, I'm not going to do it. Copy their sermons. Copy everything. I like And, and No, no, no. Right. Like, OK, thank God for whatever they're doing. And, and I don't know the details of like in the specifics of that. But that's not my goal. My goal is not to have 60 campuses. My goal right. is the kingdom. Like if, if we right. adjust our goal, I think we're going to be in a better position
1: exactly and it's funny you should mention andy stanley's name because in the early days i used to i would be so frustrated and i would tell people i just want to be the female andy stanley i mean that was kind of not even consciously but subconsciously when i started i just assume i would plant a church and it would explode because i can work really hard <laughs> and i'm i I can do all the things my male colleague friends are doing. Why can't I make that same thing happen right um i i I would have been very happy being the female Andy Stanley that you know big box rapid growth was what that was the model when yeah. I planted that I would have been great with that. That would have felt like success for me, but that's not success by kingdom standards Amen. Amen. as it turns out, what I have is a very healthy missional community that actually speaks a prophetic word into our stream that another big box rapid growth church could not have spoken. Wow. And so... Yeah. So you and we, I should we, have
0: like a, a therapy session because I, I my <laughs> name is Andy and I, I didn't want to be the female Andy Stanley, but I thought for a while I'll be the Salvation Army, Andy Stanley. Right. Like, yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm sure like, and, and, and Carol, I'll just say like, you're a very effective preacher. I've been in the rooms when you've spoken to thousands, spoken to thousands of people mm-hmm. and like, yeah, you could see, like, I'm sure people would say you, sh- you should be the, like I said, yeah. not only that, the, the Wesleyan, Carolyn Moore. I mean, you are Carolyn right. Moore. Uh, yeah. Beth Moore, you know, like, so do so you have those type of things? But it, again, maybe this thing is nice compliments and, and nice ideas, but at the same time, that's not the calling. I, I right. love how are getting this like established in the right direction. Let me tell you a little bit about my experience. Um, in Salvation Army, both the husband and wife are called together in ministry. And I came out of Asbury Seminary. My wife graduated from Asbury Seminary. And yeah. then we went to the Salvation Army's training program. And mm-hmm. we had a definite sense of like very almost strong and like ensuring that like 50% of the time we both pre like she preached mm-hmm. 50% of the time and we made that priority well this was we were young like 27 26 27 and then then we had kids <laughs> and uh and we had three kids we had yeah. seven and a half years straight in diapers and there was a biological reality, a couple of biological realities that hit us like a ton of bricks, namely that my wife was breastfeeding our kids. <laughs> right. and, and there was right. this shift in our in our practice that just changed right. the nature And so eventually what happened is I began to preach much more. Um, she stayed home more with the kids, even though we were definitely mm-hmm. both in ministry, both called, both ordained. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I started to take on administrative tasks just because... Mainly connected to the biological reality, and the, and I, right. I wanted to bring that up in light of a chapter that you have about the nature of the the biological barriers that women experience. Um, and, right. and you you pose that interesting. You said this is the very real thing that nobody's talking about. So talking right. about the biological barrier.
1: Yeah, you probably couldn't have written this in a book and gotten away with it, Andy. But I can because okay. I am. <laughs> I'm a, I'm. I've been in ministry for 25 years. I've. I'm nearly sixty years old. I have a child and a grandchild. I have a right to talk about my own experience. And the fact is, women women can have it all. They just can't have it all at once. Not in stay sane. Um, that that's 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 an unrealistic expectation that the women's lib movement of the '60s and '70s placed on women. That I don't believe is is helpful. It's not helpful to women. It's um and and it's it, I'm not asking. I'm not asking specifically that women stay home and not work. That's not my, that's not my thought at all. It's, it's that women and men together have to figure this out. Um, Because if, if, if it is a goal in a house with a family, with a marriage to have children, you guys have to work that out. Um, Who's going to stay home. Who's going to work. And we have two couples in our church right now where the men have stayed home for years And I applaud them for that. They've figured it out for themselves. It's perfectly legitimate um, equation for health and happiness in your home and other places, you know, where the, where the there's both couples are working. It may be that you as a, as a couple have to figure out, all right, so how, what is ministry going to look like right now? Is it going to be full-time ministry or part-time ministry or or do I do I put off planting a church until after my children are at least school age? How does this work for us? Sure, sure. Um, there's a lot of questions to ask because biological is not even a barrier, it's just a reality. It right. is a reality. And when we can be honest about the stages of life for a woman, then we can give, we can resource women in such a way that they can be in the call for the long haul. Yeah. Studies have shown. both both inside the church and outside the church. Studies have shown that the chance of survivability increases by over 400% when the leader has realistic expectations for their experience. In other words, when you know what you're getting into, and when you're honest about the challenges, you're more likely to survive. Yeah. Meanwhile, optimism bias is a very real thing and when we start telling each other lies about what's possible that aren't that simply aren't possible not in health not to stay healthy not and have a sabbath you know not, not in keep your marriage alive yeah. not in you know not in raise children that aren't saying they're angry at the church you know that's if um there it, it's it's good to be an optimist but it's not good to have unrealistic expectations about what is possible in your own life, in your marriage and in your household. Wow. Yeah.
0: What are some of the, uh, and maybe we can't, maybe people just need to buy the book, but uh, and they should buy the book, by the way, everybody, needs to buy it. <laughs> it's, this is one of the, those books that I'm, I'm hopeful will have even a deeper impact than some of the other seabed uh, books, because it's also co-published with Zondervan, which is a great thing, yeah. but uh, the, there are some other realities that people need to consider. Like it, you mentioned some that, for instance, maybe when you have young children before they're in school age, isn't a good time to plant a church. Um it, maybe there's some other things that need to be taken into consideration uh, biologically.
1: Yeah, I don't even want to define by saying maybe that when you when you've got young k- kids, it's not a good time to plant a church sure. because because I I'm I'm not Jesus and I don't know right. your personal situation. Thank you. What I'm saying is is that it, it's good to be realistic. Okay. And to be honest about your your expectations, and about your um limit your limitations. Because if we if we come into ministry where mm-hmm. our expectations are really high and very unrealistic, and our limits are down here, well, that gap between our expectations and our limitations—that's where frustration breeds. Yeah, and and good leadership just doesn't get fueled on frustration, nor mm-hmm. nor nor do healthy marry marriages. Excuse me, healthy marriages are not fueled by frustration. So, um, so we just want to make sure that we have right sized our understanding that we don't let the call of God send us into an uh, to an overly optimistic place where we're not honestly, openly addressing. Here are the limits to what we can do. Here are the here are the expectations that we have. Here's the timeline that we are working on. Um, financially, we we, 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 honestly, we got to think financially about all of these things too. A church can't survive on, um, on, you know, just a church doesn't survive on optimism alone, nor <laughs> does a house, nor does a household. Yeah. So sure. um, the, the, the gift is really the gift of realistic expectations yeah. is that when you're honest with yourself about places where you've been overselling your gifts or your results or your ministry, or your or your just your bandwidth, yeah. if you've, where you've done that to your detri- detriment, nobody is served. But wow. where you have gotten realistic about all of those things, you actually serve your ministry, you serve your household, you serve your own health in ways that actually. I, but I just can't overstate the importance of that. Oh, so um,
0: what you know, what are what's some of those unrealistic expectations that you had for yourself?
1: Uh well, I just thought I could do it all and do it at once. And I I thought I I didn't understand the little I didn't understand things like um I I there has to be a Sabbath for everybody. I just thought, you know, if I just do Sabbath work really quietly, nobody will notice. But Jesus is watching, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I I have given up more Sabbaths than the law allows. I have, I, I clearly I have overstepped my boundaries there, and nobody's helped by that. Um, I I I I felt I feel like um, in my marriage and in my family at home, um, we all kind of gave ourselves one hundred percent. To following Jesus. And so in that way, there was not a lot of frustration in our home, but I over-functioned. I tried to, to do everything. I tried to, um, you know, I, I cooked all the meals. I cleaned the house. Mm. I, my husband was a school teacher for his whole career. And so um, he wasn't able to get off and come home to meet the repair guy. So I was the person meeting the repair guy and the pest control guy and taking my daughter to the doctor and 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 then cooking every night and making sure we had enough meals around the table every week and um, and helping with homework and all of that. And I was planning a church. Wow. that That's a lot. And um, so I had a, most of my unrealistic expectations were of me. Yeah. yeah. And um, if I had been put in a different person's body, I don't think I would have survived this. I just happened to have the kind of constitutional fortitude to push through all of those things. But 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 oh gosh, the years that my own faith suffered, the years that my health suffered, and my health did suffer. I mean, I went through. I've been through lots of bouts of depression. Mm. Um, I went had three and a half years of vertigo that were just oh, horrific, okay. and and vertigo is very much rooted in stress, and so um, and I just never quit. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. So. <laughs> So, you know, when I talk about the first half of the book is about strategies and and uh, sorry, it was about limitations, about yes. challenges. The second half of the book is about strategies. Yeah. I don't wanna yeah. I don't wanna spend so much time yeah. on the limits that we we really aren't talking about, yeah, all of this is, is being a female in leadership is not only doable, God has obviously called women to lead. And Amen. so it's necessary.
0: Yeah. So
1: how do we how do we lead past the barriers so we can lead effectively? I think it begins with knowing who you are in Jesus. Right. Understanding who you are in Christ is so important because then you really are able to make peace with your limits and live inside of them. Yeah. And you're you're able to really take authority over the call that God has given you. And that's the second strategy, really separate from knowing who I am in Christ. It's taking authority over my call, learning how to walk into a room without apologizing my way into it learning how um learning really practical strategies for um for for sitting sitting at the table and recognizing i have a place at this table um and and then learning leadership you know really really understanding my own leadership gift um then very practical things like uh learning how to negotiate your salary learning how to make a budget um in general men tend to have been raised up by their dads to handle family finances. Women tend not to have been taught family finances. And so consequently, when we get handed a church budget, we don't know what to do with that. So understanding basic business uh, practices, including how to make an effective church budget, things like that, really practical things. And then also having the, the wisdom and the courage to ask your male friends to partner with you in the work of doing ministry. So I have some great male colleague friends that every once in a while they've walked through a door. I somehow can't seem to pull open. And so I'll ask them, can you be a door opener for me in this area of ministry or in this for, for this, you know, other person that I'm wanting to talk to, open the door for me so that I can get into the room where you are. Once I get into that room, it's up to me to, you know, to, to, um, lead effectively, but, um, but I need, we need to be in partnership. And so part of learning how to lead as a female is, is inviting men to be in partnership with you in that work. Wow. Wow.
0: I like that that chapter you have on partnership because you highlighted that at the very beginning where you you say like this is what was existed in Genesis one and two and then we had Genesis three that comes around and hierarchy yeah. but then you come back to partnership uh, right. and I, I did like the title the subtitle of that chapter why it's okay for men to open doors and That's I imagine right. it's, it's both sides right like it's like um uh. Like I'm sure you're, gl- I don't glad, know, you're glad for a, a door to be open for you physically, but also describe, like yeah. So, so talk to me about that a little bit more. Like because some of us probably like like the aspects of honoring women and honoring the roles that they they play and the distinctions between men and women and and showing honor and support and like so, some people who might stand up every time a woman comes to the table or right. do these things. Like why that's why that stuff's still okay in addition to the mm-hmm. metaphor of opening up doors
1: yeah well those things are not kingdom making or breaking things if you want to open the door for me and nobody's nobody in the kingdom is hurt by that you know yeah. and i um and 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 if i want to uh, bring you a cup of coffee nobody in the kingdom is hurt by that you know we, we can serve each other the word says submit to one another out of reverence for christ yeah paul's paul's talking about men and women in in a marriage relationship but i i think that 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 one line if we could learn that one line across the board my goodness how, how much kingdom energy could be released. If we learn to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that's really the antidote to the Genesis three curse mm, where we become yeah. contentious. No, in fact, we're actually supposed to serve each other. Yeah. And so um, I'm not concerned. Uh, I, I, if someone else wants to be kind toward me, that's just, that's kindness and it deserves to be honored. I'm appreciative of that. Um, but by the same token, um, m- you know, if, if, if God has given me resources and in relationship then I want to make as much use of all those resources in relationship as are humanly possible. Mm -hmm. And one good case in point is JD Walt. He's the, um, the sower in chief at Seedbed, the publishing house, jd is the one who first opened the door to publishing for me if jd had not opened the door for me i wouldn't i wouldn't have any books much less the book you're looking at Um, and in fact i had i had tried a couple of options for getting a a a publisher uh, for for um when women lead and just hadn't found the right just hadn't found the right fit for me and so I went back to Seedbed and asked Andy Miller at Seedbed, the other Andy right. Miller and um, and uh, JD, if they would be willing to open the door to Zondervan for mm. me. And they were the ones who opened that door for me. And I'm just so grateful to them for what they, they, they have added so much value to my life by their willingness to open the door for me. Mm. The the coach for my dissertation is Brian Collier, who is the leader at um the Orchard Church in Mississippi. Yeah, Brian has opened so many doors for me along over the years. He's been a great friend, a great brother in Christ, a great mentor and coach in ministry, and um, and he's the one who told me after my dissertation was finished, I'm not going to leave you alone until you write the book. I would wow. never have. I was I was done. I never wanted to see another word or another. Yeah. Uh, another ch- another chapter heading in my life. The yeah, dissertation will take it out of you. Yeah. But he um, he stayed on me. When are you going wow. to write your book? When are you going to write your book? When And in that way, he opened the door for me because he saw something in me that I didn't see myself. Amen. Yeah. George Acevedo uh, with um, Grace Church in, in Florida and in Cape Coral, Florida. He has opened so many doors for me uh, where recovery ministry are concerned and missional church methods are concerned. So I look around and I see so many men in my life who have enriched my life by the ways they have opened the doors for me, including my own husband, who's been such an encourager, encourager every step along the way. You know, ours is not a ministry partnership like with Salvation Army. I'm very sure. much the pastor. He had a different job, and right. and yet he's 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 often told me, "You can do anything you want, Carolyn. As far as I'm concerned, except quit." And because wow. of that, uh, because of that approach to ministry he has kept me from quitting countless times consequently now at this stage in my ministry i have opened the door to a to our associate pastor who is male who has been pr- apprenticing under me for 8 years and who will one day take my spot as the lead pastor at mosaic church wow. and um and, and 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 i am the one who opened that door for him and so wow. it goes both ways right Amen. Yeah, and if we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, not 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 because of personality, not because of of we do it because of Jesus. It's, it's really a amen. kingdom issue. And yeah. so, you know, getting the right resources for anybody can be a challenge. Yeah. But, but friends, God is not broke.
0: And <laughs> amen. amen.
1: If you're called and anointed for the work of leading in ministry, the the, the resources don't magically appear, (laughs) but the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills knows what he's made you for, and he knows what he's made you of, and he can be trusted to provide if we are faithful to do our part, and ours is to be humble enough to look around us and see, you know, what has God placed all around me, people, resources, gifts, Uh, Community, what has God placed around me so that um, no matter how rough the road is, I can stay in it because the, the God who brought me to it was definitely resource me for the
0: work. Oh, I love all this, Carolyn. Thank you so much for like (laughs) helping encourage people to realize that God's the one who resources us. Let me ask one question. I know you've been often, as it kind of says in Hamilton, in the room where it's happened uh, with reference to the emergence of the Global Methodist Church and WCA. But one of the, um, I think, critiques that have come or attacks, maybe it's a better word, is that this is going to be just a a baptist church with a methodist name on it and there's not going to be <laughs> women in ministry there's not going to be it's just going to um everything that you you know uh, that all, all the it, i it almost feel like a fear tactic and i've i've heard that and i am not been in in the leadership not been in the, but i follow it very closely and as i've said like mm-hmm. our our school is going to be ordaining gmc pastor or, or, or educating them and mm-hmm. doing the course of study the gmc will ordinate, ordinate them obviously but um can you respond to that? Is that going to, I mean you've been in these rooms where this discussion right. has there ever been a, a time where there's been the thought that women won't be in ministry in the GMC?
1: Well it's always going to be a tension. Yeah. Right when you're when you're when you're talking about orthodox or historic Christianity there's always going to be a tension about you know where uh, where we draw our theological lines. And those who tend toward more a more conservative theology may have further to go in order to fully embrace the place of women in ministry so education is will be an ongoing affair it will never end keep in mind what we've said what we've said several times already we live on this side of genesis 3 there will always be the tension the the internal battle that we have about what leadership can look like so um so this isn't a GMC issue or a, an American Christianity issue or a conservative progressive issue. This right, is a human right. fall in this issue. It will yes. always be there. Always the tension will always exist. I want friends and, and and our listening audience say that together with me. It will always be. It will attention. always be there.
0: Be attention. It, it,
1: okay. will, <laughs> it will always be attention. And so in the GMC that will be attention, but. What we have going for us is that most everybody who's coming into the GMC is coming into the GMC from another Wesleyan tradition that has already accepted women into leadership. So we're not we're not building something from the ground up. We're really actually um, in, we're 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 bringing in a theology that is historic and studied and um, we're, just, we're just not building something. From not, out of nothing. Right, right. So right. all of the UMC pastors who were coming into the GMC, we've already been affirming women in ministry. Yeah. Salvation Army pastors coming into the GMC, we've already been affirming women in ministry. Free Methodist pastors coming into the GMC ministry, we've already been affirming yeah, women sure. in ministry. And so we're as I said, we're not starting from nothing. We're starting from a place of um of you know, affectionate affirmation toward women, yes. but in every one of those denominations I just mentioned, there are people sitting in those pews who do not affirm women in ministry, I, and so I, that's just not a new thing. It will, it will be always. with it there. There will always be attention, always. But is the GMC um, aggressively affirming of women in ministry? Yes, I have been. Part of the GMC. I've been part of the Wesleyan Covenant Association since its inception. I was in uh, the room in Houston where it was first dreamed up. Um, I I was the the um, the associate. What am I trying? The word I'm trying to think. I was it, and I can't remember the word. (laughs) But I'm the chair of the global of the global council of Wesleyan Covenant Association. Association now. I was the. associate chair. What is, what am I trying to, I can't believe I can't think of the word. I was the person, the one, one chair below. Yeah, Vice (laughs) chair. Embarrassing. The vice chair. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm the the vice vice president,
0: so I I like it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think I just kind of blocked those years out, Um, but I was the vice chair for years before becoming the chair. And so there's always been women in the executive roles of, the The Wesleyan Covenant Association, and then when the GMC was formed, um, there have been women. I think the I think the chair of the GMC uh, Transitional Leadership Council right now is female, um, and so there's 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 always women that we are we are doing our best to elevate women who are gifted and called, yeah. who are gifted and called. And I want to say that let's, yeah. let's not make the mistake of being so affirming that we that we ignore gifts and call. That's Amen. not good for anybody. Mm. When, we put, when we put young people in positions they're not yet ready for, we do a disservice to them, we cause them to burn out too quickly. When yeah. we put women in positions they're not yet ready for, we do a disservice to them and we call those, cause them to burn out too quickly. We make angry people, dysfunctional congregations and an and unhealth in the body of Christ, when we put people in places they are not gifted and called for. Yes. Having said that, thank God for good seminary educations and thank God for good mentors and thank God for good coaches that raise people up to the place where they can then be equipped and ready for the call that they've been given.
0: Yeah. Amen. Carolyn, this has been such an encouraging time for me. I really appreciate your time and you writing this book. I Thank you. I always ask a question at the end of the podcast is related to mm-hmm. my title, More to the Story. Is there more to the story of Carolyn than is typically told? Uh, is there something, a hobby that you have or something you like to do that you might not talk about regularly that we could learn more about you?
1: Oh, what a great question. I, I like to skate. Really? Um, yep. Yeah. I took up skating in my 50s. Roller skating, I, ice skating. Roller skating. Oh. I took up roller skating, uh inline skating, outdoor inline skating in my 50s and uh, <laughs> it's really funny. Um statistics say that something like 1% of people in their 50s uh inline skate and so I am the 1%. <laughs> <laughs> I I have always been a little bit active, but I like looking for new things to do. And I like looking for things that I can just kind of get out there by myself. I spend a lot of time with people, you know, I'm, I'm with people all day, every day. And so it's just, it's a joy to me to get out and just be in nature. And, but going fast is fun. And Uh, so I inline skate and I have a blast when I get out there and I'm thrilled that the weather is warming up so I can get back on the trail with my inline skates. (laughs) Oh, I
0: love it. That's a great image in my mind to think of you uh, inline skating.
1: (laughs) Let me tell you, I am every five-year-old's hero when they see me. (laughs) But most people who are you know, anybody 20 and up, they kind of like do a double take what is that that just went past me <laughs> that is but it's great. fun it's fun well, thanks
0: carolyn for your time and everybody go check out her resources that are in my show notes it means a lot to me thank you for giving us this resource i wish i would have had it 20 years ago but it's such yeah. a great thing and i appreciate you taking time for it god bless you thank carolyn.
1: you so much god bless you